0: My name is Rebecca Murley and my husband Jonathan and I are the missions pastors here at Jubilee And we want to welcome you to our third and final message in our missions series called the amazing race Hey, just a quick show of hands How many of you have actually watched the competitive reality TV show called the amazing race? All right, have a few of you out there. Here's a fun fact about me personally a few years ago good friend of mine named Denisha Rouse calls me up. She's like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? I'm like, I don't know. What am I doing on Friday? She said, I want you to consider being my partner to go on an audition for the show, The Amazing Race. They actually were coming to Denver to do an open casting call. So her and I are fans of the show, and I'm like, heck yeah, I am there. So Denisha and I teamed up, we partnered up, went on this audition. We even had a catchy name for ourselves. We called ourselves The Pastor's Wives. (laughs) Apparently they didn't want any Pastor's Wives on their show because we didn't get a call back. We didn't get the opportunity to win the million-dollar prize. However, it was so much fun to step out of my everyday suburban life right here in Lone Tree, Colorado and to attempt to do something new and different. In our line of work here at the church, that's called going on a missions trip. And we invite you to try it sometime. In fact, on your seat, you should have found one of these invitations. It's a nifty little luggage tag. It's gonna give you an information on our upcoming annual global launch event, and that is happening next week, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. It's an all-campus event, so everyone's invited to come. We'll have child care for the little ones, but you may say, why do I want to come to a global launch event, and what is it anyway? It's a chance for us to come together. We have an incredible time of praise and worship. It's amazing. We pray for the nations. We have a message on missions. And more importantly, we're going to release all of our upcoming trips that are happening both locally, right here in Colorado, and around the world. So mark your calendars. We want to see you next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Now here's the deal. Most of you sitting here will never end up on a reality TV show. And you are like, amen, sister. Wasn't even thinking about it. We don't have to, though, to know that just living life itself can be summed up as one amazing race. Did you know that there are over 7 billion people on this planet right now that are running the race of life? Many of them have no idea where they're going. They don't even know where the finish line is. In fact, most of them spiritually are walking around aimlessly without any sense of purpose or direction for their life. They haven't even considered that there is a creator God who made them for a purpose. What good is running a race if you don't know where you're going? What I want to speak on this weekend is running your race with the end goal in mind. Now, here is something that we all have in common, all of us sitting here listening to this message. It's this thing called life, okay? Life begins with a process called birth, and it ends with this culminating event called death. And in between those two momentous events is where we all find ourselves right now. In looking at our lives from God's perspective, we could say this. Isn't God amazingly detailed? That he has ordained and connected all of us sitting right here, right now, listening to this message. In this space and time in history, we as Christians are all serving the same God running after and pursuing the same end goal of eternity. Now, here's the question to ask ourselves. In keeping that end goal in mind of eternity, how then can we make the most of our lives with the time we have in between? When Jesus was here on this earth, he said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, So I send you. So with our time in between, according to scripture, we already know what God is saying to go. We have a mandate. We have a call to action. I think that we could probably all agree that the entire world, not just America, but the entire world is in desperate need of a church. You and I, folks, who are a mature body of believers, who prioritize, and are passionate about spreading and continuing the work of Jesus Christ on this earth. We need to bring the gospel of hope, of peace, and reconciliation into this world Did you know that God is a God of global purpose? God's ultimate purpose is to reconcile all things to himself. God's on a mission. He is on a mission to be loved, to be served, and to be worshipped by people of all humanity. He wants us back. William Carey was a British Christian missionary, and he said this. I love this quote. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Church, what you and I do with our time in between on this earth matters. It absolutely matters. And you might say, well, why? Because the actions that we take and the decisions that we make shape the course of history. Not only for our lives, but for the lives of those around us. We are on this earth to bring solution to the world in which we live. I want to take a look at... Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And the Apostle Paul has written this. He said, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. One thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, here's what Paul is saying. The future doesn't lie in focusing on the past. Rather, it lies all together in knowing Christ Jesus here. And now, for such a time as this, so that then and there we win. We win the ultimate prize, the million-dollar prize, if you will. That is knowing Christ Jesus forever in eternity. Hmm. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) So I've got a question for you. What is the goal for your life? I was looking at some statistics online and I came across this, thought it was interesting to share with you. Nearly two thirds, or 64%, of young Americans ages 18 to 25 say this they said that getting rich and becoming famous are the most important goals in life for their generation. Thank you, Reality TV. Just saying. Much further down that list is helping people in need, becoming leaders in their community, and last on that list is becoming more spiritual. I wanna submit to you that the way to run your race, the race of your life with the end goal in mind is to run it pursuing after something that is larger than you, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than your ability. It's about God's ability in your life. I brought something with me. These are my running shoes. I am not an avid runner, okay? You're not gonna find me running a marathon. Chances are. (laughs) But these are my shoes that when I do choose to run, I put these on. They fit me perfectly. They are just my size. In fact, if I look closely at the insides of them, I can see the impression of my feet, right? And if I take a little whiff, they have my unique personal scent, which smells like flowers, by the way. <laughs> and if I look even closer at these shoes, I can see some residue on them still from the places that my feet have worn them, not only here in Colorado, but around the world to share the gospel of hope, peace, and reconciliation. That is such a joy and a privilege to me. Now I want you to do me a favor, just stop for a moment and take a look down at the shoes you're wearing today. Um, I hope you're wearing some. If not, you might need to apologize to your neighbor for whatever unique personal sense is coming from your feet. Not sure. Chances are, on purpose, you decided to put shoes on your feet to go about your day today, to come here to church. Point being, every day when we wake up, we have a decision to make and actions to take. Some of that may be directed by self-will, what we want, what we think we should be doing with our lives, what we deem... As purposeful and valuable goals, or it's laying down self and picking up what God has for us to do, His race for you and I to run. In fact, when I look at these shoes, no one else can fill them. These are my shoes. Here's the deal about your race it's personal. I can't run your race, and you can't run mine. God has tailor-made, hand-selected, picked out, determined for you and I a race to run. And I would say even before you were even born, according to Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven, he has plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. The choice lies in whether or not we're gonna follow after him. In order to run this race, the race of the Christian life, it will take 100% commitment and focus. And ultimately, it just might cost you something. Just speaking from personal experience. Pursuing and running after what God has for your life, it might cost you time, might cost you hard work, sacrifice, it might ultimately cost you moving. I believe that there are some of you sitting here listening to this message. and We're talking about missions and your heart's being stirred to go. Maybe God is asking you to move overseas, become a full-time missionary, or simply go on one of our short-term trips. Maybe running the race that God has set before you will cost you relationships or ultimately it might cost you pursuing the american dream hmm. I want to submit that the purpose of life it's not to arrive at death safely the purpose of life is not for safety and security and personal success that is not the end goal of a christian life freedom is Galatians 5 chapter 1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Hmm. Matthew chapter 24 verses, verse 14 says this. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations, all people groups will hear it and then finally the end will come. I want to talk about To run your race with the end in mind is to run it carrying a heart for the lost. So, a little bit about my personal testimony is that I grew up in a spiritually divided home. My parents were not Christians when they got married. I have three older brothers, and shortly after the third son was born, my mom became a believer. We have a little joke in our house that my brothers caused her to run to the foot of the cross because they were a little bit of a handful. (laughs) Not true, but she became a believer. Consequently, my father did not. He didn't want anything to do with God or church. And so I can vividly remember as a young girl, I was probably about five years old, and I would go to church with my mom and I remember hearing the gospel message that Jesus died for me, he loved me, he died to save me from my sin, and I remember saying, I want that. I want Jesus in my heart. You know, things are so simple when you're little. There's no arguing with God or trying to reason or rationale. I knew that I knew that Jesus loved me. This I know, for the Bible told me so. So I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I felt the change. I knew something had happened. Getting a heart for the lost is just that. When you get God's heart for you, what he has saved you from, and what he has saved you for, you can't help but not want to share that with everybody else around you. So I wanted... That same experience that I had from my dad. So like any kid, I would ask for what I wanted. So I invited my dad to church. And so I would say, Dad, Sunday would come around. Would you go to church with us today? And my dad would say, no, honey. No, thank you. Don't want to go. I've got other things to do. Not interested. So like any kid, I would just keep asking until I got what I wanted. Dad, would you come to church with me today? Come to church with Mom and I. We want you to be there. Nope, too busy, not interested. No, thank you. My dad was never mean to me, but he definitely shut me down. Pretty soon, it dawned on me that I wasn't going to get the answer I wanted, and so I did this. I shut up, and I shut down. Two things happened in my heart. Number one, discouragement. I was discouraged. Number two was disappointment. Church, listen to me. This is the heart of this message. Two things that will derail your aim to reach the lost in your family and around the world are discouragement and disappointment. Discouragement is the loss of confidence or enthusiasm, it's dispiritedness. My spirit was shut down. The second is disappointment, is unhappiness from the failure of something hoped for or expected to happen. I expected my dad to say, sure, I'll go with you. I knew that my dad loved me. The enemy of our soul likes to use strategies, against us, and especially when it comes to reaching the lost. Church, I want to encourage you today to shake off discouragement and disappointment, especially when it comes to your family, someone maybe that you've introduced the gospel to, and maybe based on their lack of response or their lack of change, you find yourself sitting where I was and you've shut up, And you've shut down. Satan's aim, his end goal, is to get you and I to give up, to shut up, and to quit. And so I did. And when he does that, he wins. Years went by, and my dad still didn't change. Eventually, I graduated high school, moved away from home, and went off to a private Christian university called Oral Roberts University, And right before I went off to university, I actually had rededicated my life to the Lord. I said, God, I'm going to go all in for you. I want to run the race that you have set before me. But I can remember as a freshman sitting on my dorm room floor just talking to God. I said, God, here I have gone all in for you. I've given you everything. I've moved away from home. I left a family that loves me, relationships that were good. And by the way, moving and sacrificing and giving something up, when God asked you to do it, you always gain something in return. I don't see that as a sacrifice. I see that as a benefit because God had me right where he wanted me. So I said, God, here I've gone all in for you. Now what are you gonna do about my dad? and i didn't know much about hearing the voice of god at that time in my life and my walk with him i didn't know a whole lot about the holy spirit and how the holy spirit speaks to us but i was listening i was open and i know that i know that i heard the voice of the holy spirit say to me rebecca what are you going to do about your dad In other words, what's your role here? Have you ever considered this, that the voice of the Holy Spirit is only as loud as we are willing to listen? I was listening. God was not saying, hey, you're responsible for your dad's decision to accept me or not. What God was saying to me is I've got shoes for you to fill, girl. Are you in on it? Do you want to co-labor, co-partner with me in getting a heart for your dad? Here's the truth. God cared more about my dad than I ever could. He saved me came after me and that love that God had for me was so much more than what I could ever have for my earthly father. The Bible promises us he always leaves the 99 to go for the one. Come on, come on. Mm. My dad was the one for me. So I said yes to God. I said, I'll go all in, give you whatever you want me to do. You want me to share, you want me to talk, you want me to pray, whatever it is, I'm in. God revived my heart for the lost. What I did not realize and what God was training me in was something called spiritual warfare. We fight a battle as Christians but we know we have the victory. Yes. Satan could care less if my dad ever received Jesus and experienced freedom through salvation. Listen to me. The Christian legacy for my family had not been contested, and God was saying, are you ready to get in the battle and fight? Come on, come on. You and I were not designed by God to give up to back up, to retreat, to lose ground, and to quit. Look at me. Quitting is not an option. I don't know what you walked into this room with today. I don't know what situation you were in, but I know this. I know the Holy Spirit is here. And I know that he wants to encourage you to not quit the race. Don't quit. I'm the result of a praying mama. I'm not up here sharing my testimony to blow hot air. I am here because I'm being obedient to the voice of God who said, Get up there and share. This is a personal race, it's a personal testimony in my life. Don't you ever agree with the enemy that your family is never going to change. And church, let's certainly not agree with the enemy that this world that's in desperate need of a savior is beyond saving. Listen, I get it. We turn on the television set and we sit there and go, what's gonna happen next? We cannot afford to agree with the enemy about this world. We should be running into it to bring the gospel of hope, peace, and reconciliation. Don't quit. Shake off discouragement and disappointment and proclaim victory over your family and victory over this world. God hasn't left the situation. He is not ignoring your prayers. He hasn't walked out on the earth and thought, I'm done with them. Let them have their way. God is very aware of what's going on, and he's more in the details than we think he is. To run the race with the end in mind is to aim to leave a legacy for generations to come. Psalm 145.4 says this, Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Well, I've got a story to finish. I remember the day I got a phone call from my mom. Fast forward, I was a senior in college now. And she said, you'll never guess what. I'm like, what? Your dad's been going to church with me. That's a pretty big deal. She said, not only that, he just accepted Jesus into his heart. He's reading the Bible. All those years of us begging him to come to church with us, it's now reversed. She goes, He's the one asking me to go to church with him. Amen. Man, it's powerful, isn't it? Yes. I knew when God was saying, I've got a role for you to fill. I knew that what I did with my time in between mattered. It mattered not only for my eternity, but it mattered for my dad, for his eternity. Here's what I find interesting. I wasn't the one that led him to Jesus. Never had one conversation with him about it. I wasn't even there. I was away at college. But I know this. I know that every tear I cried, I know that every prayer I prayed to my heavenly father, absolutely he was listening. He wasn't ignoring me. It had power. Look at me, parents. Look at me, moms and dads, right now, because the Holy Spirit is on this message, and I want to encourage you. Don't you ever underestimate the power of a praying parent. Husbands and wives, don't quit the race. If your spouse isn't a believer and you are on opposite ends of the spectrum, don't quit praying. Don't give up. I believe God wants to reconcile the hearts of children back to their father and back to their mother. This is the day and age in which we live, and are you willing to fill the role? Be encouraged today. God is with you. Church, when we run our race, are we focused on taking anyone else with us to the finish line? What I didn't realize at that time, after my dad had received Jesus, was that his time on this earth was short. In just a few years, he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and eventually that cancer spread throughout his entire body. And on Father's Day of June, 2001, my dad went home to be with the Lord. It's kind of bittersweet because it was Jonathan's first Father's Day. We had just had our firstborn daughter. She was born in May. And I knew that my dad's health was failing And I knew that I was going to have a baby anytime soon. I was like, Lord, please don't let me miss his funeral. i got to be there. Let him hold on to know that he's got a granddaughter. God was so gracious. When I say that God is more in the details than we think he is, he was in the details of my life at that time. He knew how precious it was to me to be at that funeral. God, hears your prayers. Did you know that there's only one God out of all other religions who wants to be with us? He wants his people back what lengths would he go to to get us back? Could he use a daughter's faithful prayers to reach her father? Could he use you to reach your family, to reach the lost around you? I believe he can. Jim Elliott said this, when it comes time to die, make sure all you have to do is die. In the 1950s, Jim Elliott was in his 20s, and he had heard of this uncivilized Indian tribe in Ecuador. They were called the Alka Indians, and they are now called the Wa'udani tribe. But this tribe of people were unreached. That means they have never had the chance to hear the gospel. And so Jim made it his goal, his aim, to run his race to reach this lost tribe. He threw everything that he had, his education, his gifts, his talents. He moved his family to Ecuador. He learned the language and he sought after this group of unreached Indians. In fact, the Alca tribe was known as a savage tribe. They would not only spear to death one another but they would brutally murder and spear to death any outsider ever caught in their territory. There was an oil company nearby. They had killed all the oil company workers. The government didn't know what to do with this tribe, so they were just going to come in and wipe them all out. Jim knew that there was a race against time to reach the Alka Indians. And so Jim Elliott and four other missionaries made contact with the Alka Indians. They had actually shared a meal together. They had exchanged gifts between one another. And on one fateful trip back, there was a missionary pilot named Nate Saint. And he flew these guys into this little spit of beach right near that Alka territory. The missionaries were so excited and they got out of their airplane. They looked over And they saw two Alka women coming out to greet them. And they just couldn't wait to see them once again. Only in an instant, they noticed that the look on the faces of these two women was not friendly. And all of a sudden, they were surrounded by the entire tribe of warriors, spear in hand with the intent to kill. True story, here's what I find interesting. Those missionaries actually were armed. They had weapons with them. But they each promised to one another this. They said, before we go back, we're going to make this promise. We will not use our weapons to kill an Alka Indian because we know where we're going. We know what the end holds in eternity. We are ready. They are not Therefore, we will not kill one of them. They haven't had the chance yet to decide. So in an instant, all five missionaries were brutally speared to death and murdered by the tribe that they went to go save. Made national headlines. Made news all around our nation. Jim Elliott's life on this earth was over, but his ministry to this unreached people group had just begun. You see, within just two short years, Jim's wife, Elizabeth Elliott, and Nate Saint, the missionary pilot's sister, Rachel Saint, and their children moved back to the tribe who had murdered their family members. They went back to continue sharing the gospel of hope, peace, and reconciliation. Jim Elliot ran his race on this earth with the end goal of eternity in mind. He saw his life as an eternal investment. I want to read a scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. The Bible says this life is short. It is but a vapor. Jim Elliot knew that what he did with his time in between mattered. It absolutely mattered for the Alka Indians for leaving a Christian legacy for generations to come. In closing, I want to read one final scripture, and then we're going to pray. Paul, on his missionary journey, said this. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. However... I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Church, quitting isn't an option. Stay in the race Run your race with the end goal of eternity in mind because it matters. God has shoes for you to fill. Make it your aim in life to fill those shoes that no one else can fill in your family, in your school, in your workplace, maybe in missions around the world. Ask the Holy Spirit, to show you where your feet need to be. If you don't know that, that's okay. I don't know what my future looks like, but I know this. I have a personal trainer, and he's the best in the world. He's called the Holy Spirit. I can't run my race without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listening, hearing, obeying, following, Sacrificing, enduring. It's a joy and a privilege because, in the end, I know I'm going to win a prize. I can't wait for that other side of heaven to see whom God has allowed me to influence towards eternity. That's where I find value in my life. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have even just been obedient to come here today. Father, I don't know what their circumstances are. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know who they have tried to share the gospel with and maybe they have been shut down and had a door slammed in their face. But God, I know this, that we refuse to give up We refuse to give up on those who reject you, to those who turn their backs on you. We refuse to give up on our families, and we certainly refuse to give up on this world because, God, you came to save it. And, Father, we know that you saved us, so therefore they are worth it. Whatever sacrifice you're calling us to, they are worth it. Father, would you just come in and show us, show every individual here, the race that you have for them to run for eternity because it matters. And, Father, I speak forth a Christian legacy over every family represented hearing this message. I pray that salvation would be sent to your home today, that wayward children, children who have walked out on you, I don't know what words were exchanged, I don't know what was said or done, but I know this. Reconciliation is always the heart of God. Reconcile back to your children. Reconcile back to people whom have walked out on you. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is saying I'm sorry when you're not the one who calls the hurt. God, would you soften us, tenderize us. God, give us your heart for this world and give us your heart for the lost. Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and I ask that you would continue to work in the hearts and minds and futures for everybody here today, Lord. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor, Father. We thank you for what you're going to do that we can give you all the victory And it's because of you, God, that we serve you and we love you and we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.